life is a sort of a three-legged stool for a teenager. All of her, her the legs of her stool are, are rather wobbly, right? Home, family, and school are sort of wobbly. So I wanted people to sort of have a little bit of empathy going into that story um, and, and learn that, that people who end up being trafficked are, are human beings and that these are teenagers. So I never want them to forget that Charlize Jones is a teenager. So when they see her coloring and doing different things, it's my way of reminding them, hey, we're talking about children Sylvia here. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hello, I am Sharon G. Flake, uh, a young adult and children's author most known for The Skin I'm In, and recently the follow-up novel to that book, The Life I'm In. Welcome to Sylvia and Me. Sharon, thank you so much. It's great to have you with me here today. Well, here, as you can see, we're not exactly here um, in the same room, but yes, you are an award-winning author. In fact, for your first uh, novel, The Skin I'm In, you won the Coretta Scott King Author Honor Award winner. Right. I read that, so I got it uh, correct. Yeah, and that's you. among other yeah. awards. Yeah, I was so excited to get that award. And the novel has been published in, you know, around the world and read around the world. There are about a million copies out there floating around, so I'm pretty happy. Now, I want to just talk about you for a little bit and how you got started. I know you're um, one of six children. You're the second youngest of six. You grew up in, in Pittsburgh. Um, oh no, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. People Honest. think I'm from Pittsburgh. I've been here so long. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a way, I got, came here for college. So in a way I did grow up here to some degree, but I born and raised in North Philadelphia. Okay. And when did you decide to really start, why writing? Did you always want to write? Um, tell us how that actually got started. You know, a lot of times young people ask me, did I write in middle school and high school? Because a lot of authors will tell you they got that bug in elementary school. I wasn't one of those authors, right? I went to college to be a doctor. Um, I had also been a candy striper, like in uh, high school. So yeah. I was. I went to a Saturday program. I was really serious about being a doctor until I got to college. And it's like, what? <laughs> You know, mathematics, you're struggling and sweating in those classrooms. Um, I, I decided, okay, well, maybe this is not the best career for me. And I kept switching um, careers, but always for some reason, it had to do with science and math, which it turns out I really suck at, right? <laughs> uh, but I was also taking writing classes. And I realized I was pretty good at it, that I really enjoyed it. I was good at it. And that sort of started me on my way, right? I had an internship um, in public relations at Pitt. So again, more writing. And um, I just decided, okay, I'll be an English major. And I'll, I don't know if I thought beyond that at that point. I knew I was going to be an English major. Um, what kind of job I thought I would get after that, I wasn't quite sure. But I was enjoying writing in school. Well, I understand that the birth of your daughter, Brittany, 
kind of precipitated you actually sitting down and writing. Um, I don't remember the name of your first uh, book, and that's bad, but I, I, I don't. But you used to write, and then you'd read the stories to her daycare. Yeah, well, you know what? You don't have anything to worry about because my first novel really is The Skin I'm In. Right. I'm but there, there were other ones that you before did. Before then, but they had not gotten published. You know, they were being rejected. Um, but I would um, go to my daughter's daycare center and sort of read, you know, um, make up stories, read things I've written. So they were really good about that. Um, I had also been from the beginning when my daughter was born telling her stories about dark skinned girls that could fly and solve crimes. I wanted her to know that being dark was a good thing, right? And that she could do anything even when she was too young to realize anything about color or skin tone. Um, and I tell people, if I tell my daughter, if she weren't born, I'm not sure I would have ever gotten published, not for fiction, right? I had done some nonfiction writing in the city for um, literary publications, things like that. Fiction, I was in a writer's group for a little bit, but mainly I would like write one week. Well, then I might not write for two months, right? I was that kind of writer. But then when she was born, it was like the lights went on, right? And I just started writing and I was very consistent finally because I was 42 when the book was was uh, published. So finally I sort of, it all sort of came together for me. Okay. And the protagonist in, um, in the, the Skin I'm In, which you uh, started out, uh, Shar, um, and you talked a lot about bullying um, in that book. And so your newest book, which is considered a sister book to it, sort of takes the same character and um, really sees her growth. She somehow uh, gets um, involved um, or on the outskirts of human trafficking and develops some kind of empathy. Well, so, you know what? Oh, abs I'm sorry. Absolutely. No, go, go um, just let me back up a little bit and tell people who haven't read it. The Skin I'm In is a novel about a dark-skinned girl who gets picked on. Uh, she gets picked on for by a couple of people and sort of makes this, has this aha moment. That's Malika, where she has this aha moment that says, well, if I hang out with Charlize Jones then and do her homework and be nice to her, you know, people won't bully me anymore. Well, the problem is that Charlize Jones starts to bully her. And Charlize Jones ends up being the protagonist in The Life I'm In. Shar uh, is somebody in The Skin I'm In that people, they weren't in love with her, but they were concerned about her because Shar was a bully, but she got bullied at home. Her sister didn't physically hit her or anything, but her parents had died and had died tragically. And so her sister, like 25, 26, did the best that she could. She had parties to raise money and um, to pay bills, right? And to buy clothing and that sort of thing. And um, she had Char like as almost like a servant, right? Waiting on adults, serving drinks and food late at night. So that's what I mean sort of about the end and wasn't always speaking to her very nicely. And so people were concerned about her. And so I took her and I made her the protagonist in the life I'm in. Um, and sometimes people ask, why did you finally do it? They asked me for years for, to do it. 
to do a follow-up and I, I, I never planned to because when you have a book like Skin that's fairly iconic, right? People write about it in their PhD dissertations. They teach it in elementary school. They teach it in college. Um, people just love the teacher in the book and they love Malika and they love the story and, and how it unfolds. And so when you have that, it's a little frightening to you know say, I'm gonna do another follow-up or a sequel. Sylvia, I know you've read books or seen movies and you thought, oh, why didn't they stop with the first one? They just kept going. So for years when I got the question, I said, I'm not, no, 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 I'll never do it. But, you know, I had a couple of reasons why I did it. I'll just name a couple, two. One is over the years, just like you, Sylvia, I've seen the uptick in trafficking. We've seen more reports, more shows, movies about it. And I don't know if you have children or not, but having a daughter, even though she was grown, it was frightening to, to see all of that. And I go to a lot of schools and I talk to kids. And so it was frightening what the world might hold for them, for some of them. So that was one reason. The other reason, I guess it was, it was sort of was time. You know, it was time. I think I had matured and grown up enough. Um, and, and one day I was having a conversation with somebody that said, hey, would you ever do a follow-up novel? I gave my typical response at first, no, never, not going to happen. But if I did do it, it would be from Charlize Jones's perspective, and it would be about human trafficking. And so that day, I went home and I started writing. And what you're writing about, yes, it's, it's, it's fiction. And I know that people have asked you, did you, were you bullied? And, and the answer I believe is no, but you're, ta but you're talking about real life um, issues. Right. Especially nowadays, you're talking about real life um, uh, issues that, that young people, you know, come across right. on a daily right. basis. And I think it's wonderful that you took the uh, that you took Shar and took her character that uh, people might have been worried about, who was the bully, and now gave her the ability to learn what empathy is all about. You know, and I think people are empathetic towards Shar too, right? So that um, when the novel opens up. Uh, let me just back up a little bit. This, the life I'm in is the answer to the question that people asked about the skin I'm in, which is whatever became a Charlize Jones, right? So uh, did she ever get on that bus? Because her sister had said, listen, if you fail seventh grade again, she had failed twice. Um, if you don't behave, I'll send you south. And we know that that happens in Black families, not always as a form of punishment, but almost as a reset. Maybe grandpa, grandma will be able to help you get to the next phase. And so when it opens up, we have Char. Already you can see she's a different girl because she's pleading with Malika, who she says she hasn't talked to in about a year, begging her almost, please have your mom, Malika, call my sister and intercede on my behalf right? So that I won't have to leave and go south. She doesn't want to leave for a couple of reasons. One is who Sylvia wants to leave home for the most part. You know, when I did work with children in foster care, I will tell you our aim was always to get them back home if we could. But no matter what their life was like at home, I would say 95% of those children wanted to go back home. 
right? And so no matter what Shara's life is like, she wants to go home. No matter what we adults may think of her home, she wants to go home. Um, and we see for the first time, really, that Malika herself has changed, right? She's finally put a boundaries because when you're dealing with bullies, part of it becomes a boundary problem, right? They're pushing against those boundaries or you don't have boundaries. Um, so she's She's putting up her own boundaries and says, no, you're going to have to talk to my mom yourself. And Shar is not going to do that. So the next thing we know, she's on a bus and she's headed to Alabama to be with her grandpaps, her grandmother and grandfather. But here's what happen, happens. She does what a lot of teenagers do. You know, she makes a quick decision when she's on that bus. I'm not going to go there. I'm 16. I'm self-sufficient. I can live on my own and take care of myself, right? She feels betrayed by her sister for, for sending her. She feels betrayed also by her sister because now her sister and her and, and Shar's old teacher has sort of become friends. So her sister is also starting to evolve and change into another person. And that decision to not go home, to not go to her grandmother's house sort of interrupts her life in not a good way. It's not Charlize's fault that she's trafficked, right? These are adults that do this, this business most times. Um, they can be men or women who traffic young people right? or traffic people, period. Um, just an aside, um, human trafficking is a $150 billion global business. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you know, one of the things that I really think is wonderful in your writing is how you can connect these characters and get your audience, which is the young adult, to understand, to be able to follow, to see that, yes, um, you know, a person uh, is a bully, but when they're that young, um, they can be put in a situation where they're almost, you know, begging to uh, to have people accept them that they can change because of circumstances. And you have her her friend who uh, was the protagonist in the original story also grow. So people can grow. It's not that people change, people do have the, the ability if they want to. Those that don't want to are never going to. Are never going to. No. And, and I wanted people to know from the beginning that Charlize wanted to change. She did not know how to change, right? Um, I needed to build some empathy for Charlize because in the first book, She's pretty, you know, she's a bully. There's not a whole, whole lot that's likable about her. And it's easy to forget in the first book, hey, wait a minute, here's a kid. Both her parents were killed, right? Here's a kid that that's, that's struggling at home. Here's a kid that has problems in school. So all of those, those three core, if, this, if, if life is a sort of a three-legged stool for a teenager, all of her, her, the legs, her stool are, are rather wobbly, right? Home, family, and school are sort of wobbly. So I wanted people to sort of have a little bit of empathy going into that story um, and, and learn that, that people who end up being trafficked are, are human beings and that these are teenagers. So I never want them to forget that Charlize Jones is a teenager. So when they see her coloring and doing different things, it's my way of reminding them Hey, we're talking about children here. 
right? That's that's another uh, point that I wanted to raise. Um, and you've raised it beautifully. The fact that we do not remember all the time that they're young, that teenagers are teenagers and they are growing. There are certain things that we as adults need to um, point them in the right direction and hope that they take the morals and, and the truths that we give them and be able to move with their life in the direction you know we'd like them to. But there are always, you know, for a lot, there, there are bumps in the road and people right. yes. you know, need to remember they are children. Um, exactly. Thank what you. What we give them is a lot of who they're going to be. And if we don't give them that chance and hear them. Um, so you've had a great impact on, on teenagers. You uh, know, I've spoken to about. I think sometimes I try to do the count, you know, I've lost count years ago about at least 200,000 kids, just in terms of going to schools over 22 years and visiting, visiting with them. And then there's the ones that have written me over the years. And then um, there, you know, so, and then there's the book itself. So I just heard from a young girl yesterday who was, uh, who emailed me, well, came into my phone and she just said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I love your work. Um, I'm 16 and I'm dark skin and your book needs to be a movie because this is real. So that has to do with the skin I'm in. And I'm expecting sort of the same responses uh, from the world when it comes to the life I'm in. That either they didn't know about this or they're going through it or um, they um, are learning about it or wanting to understand it more or they've gotten out of, out of a situation because of it. I think I try to write to entertain, but I also try to write to inform and sort and uplift. So I'm always hopeful that my work does some good on the planet. And when you're looking at uh, human trafficking, it's a human rights violation, right? So that you, people's human, people are being, you know, just, just an aside, human trafficking is, sex sex or exploitation yeah. but it's also um hard labor right where we take young people and put them on farms and work them all kinds of hours where we take them and hire them as domestics around the world uh, somebody figures they're paying their way into america or somewhere else and maybe you, they're told oh you'll work of you know, four days a week for X amount of, my, of dollars for three months. And then you get there and it's like four years later or something, or years later, uh, you're still there working 24 hours a day, not allowed to leave home. So there's some really terrible stories, child soldiers. We don't think about that when we sometimes watch TV and we see a boy who's five or well, maybe eight or 10 or 12, and he's a soldier. And you're like, oh my God, forced into those situations. And so... I think these kinds of stories are, are, are hard on a certain level, but they're necessary uh, so that people understand, but also so we get to see uh, the core and soul of, of children, right? And that's something you can do with um, a novel that you, you can't always do with a snapshot 
on the news. You can show some pieces, but you're okay, you're flashing that camera there on the news and they get one second. You, you can't always see the intricacies of how did they get there, um, who are those people that traffic them, how the, and what's, what's life like, them, like for them on the other side. So for sure, she, you know, a lot of these young, a lot of these people who are trafficked because it's men, women, boys, girls, there, there's the issue of trauma as a result and how do you work through that and what's on the other side of the trauma. And that's, those are all the things that people, readers will get to, to understand and see when they uh, read The Life I'm In. Well, it's, it's exceedingly um, eye-opening for a lot of young people. So what are some of the uh, most common questions that you've been asked by uh, these, these students, these young people who you've spoken at schools, you, you do Zoom now because right, there's right. a pandemic, but what are some of the uh, most uh, common frequent questions that you've been asked? Well, this one is, you're going to laugh, but one of the funniest ones, one of the frequent ones I get is, are you rich? So <laughs> they, they go straight to the money, right? Are you rich? Do you drive a Range Rover? And I'm always like, no, for a lot of years, I drove a Saturn. And so when they heard that, they would, their faces would fall like, what? You know. So that's one question. The other one I get a lot is, were you bullied? Is this your life? did you interview somebody? So somebody, sometimes they don't understand because I write from a girl's perspective, a boy's perspective, an adult's perspective, right? Um, somebody who might be Latinx at times. They, they don't understand that, no, I'm writing that. I didn't go and interview somebody and take their words and literally write them down. So sometimes they think that because they can't understand how can you, I'm 65, you're 65, you're 55. How do you know how we speak and how do you know how we talk? And so that's one of those things. And, and, I, and I go to do a lot of school visits, but I'm not the type of person, I'm not listening to their conversations and all that stuff. I'm present, so I'm present, right? So I'm not thinking, hey, that's a really good word. I'm sort of, I think my gift and my ability to do voices the way they are, a lot of it is gifting. It's just something that I was born and blessed with. And if you work your blessing enough, right, it becomes your craft and you know how to do that thing. So that's another question I get asked. Um, I get asked a lot of questions of like, how can, um, like sometimes they'll say, I'm being bullied. How can I get a bully to stop bullying me? Um, or they wanna know how they could be a writer. I think young people have very, very high expectations of themselves, which is good on the one hand, but sometimes it worries me because they'll say, Miss Sharon, I've been writing this book and I just, I just can't get it right. And they're fifth graders. And I'm like, baby, you're in the fifth grade, right? Have fun, right, with it. And write as long as, you take the story as far as you can go. And then if you can't go any further, start a new story because every story wasn't meant to be finished. It was meant to teach you something about the writing process. So I try to like let them, okay, chill, relax. You don't have to be so hard on yourself. So that's sort of an interesting thing. That is, that, that, that really is an interesting question because of so much pressure these days on, on children, and especially now with the school situation being the way it is, 
I can see how so many try something and if they can't totally complete it or complete it to their satisfaction, um, they think that they failed uh, and, and are scared because they can't move any further. And what you just said, the answer to this young girl um, is, is wonderful because there is always another story and, and who knows, maybe she'll go back to it or it's all a growing process. And no matter what, whether it's writing or building something um, or sports, to be able to go ahead and try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but there's always something else. There's always something else. I think some of that pressure is, is, is the technology and the internet. I mean, I'm not sure I would be published if I had to go out there today because everywhere you look, even now I'm looking and saying, oh, look what you're doing there. You know what I mean? And we, and we forget sometimes that well, because you're putting out your book jacket doesn't mean that you have a, that you're, you're great at writing, right? Or B, that you um, have a legacy or a history of writing behind you. So some of it is a little bit smoke and mirrors, but young people look at it and think, oh my God, like he can tap dance and he can do this and he can do that. So I have to do this and all of that pressure they have to feel. I remember going to a school once and I asked the question, about the internet, like, like, do you guys feel pressure? And I was surprised really at the answer. It was a table, it was like maybe 10 young people, uh, elementary school, but they started talking. And one boy told me, my mother says, look at so-and-so's video. You could dance better than him. You should be on doing your own videos. And he was like, but I don't wanna do any videos. You see what I mean? And then somebody else starts saying, oh yeah, my mother or my father has said this about that. And I was like, whoa. And this might've been five years ago. So um, I would say three to three to five years, maybe three years ago. So that made me, that was one thing helped me understand. Oh my gosh, I knew you were sort of under pressure, but I didn't know how much pressure you guys were really under when your, when your own parent is saying, you need to outperform this kid on here via this technology, right? And you don't even want it for yourself, right? Well, that's the thing. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of young people feel pressured into doing something that they really have no interest in doing. And right. the other thing is, is uh, like you said, that first question where you said, you know, you'll laugh, but when you think about it, uh, you know, not everyone who gets published um, is going to it, it automatically make millions of dollars where they're right. going. They don't understand that there's a lot of work involved. Um, there's, you know, a legacy uh, that, that, you know, you've earned. And there are certain things that especially with the internet nowadays where they see things all over the place, they figure, oh, I want to do that because this is going to happen overnight. And, well, is, and that, that's such a bad thing. You know, it's a, it's a lot of pressure. And uh, just to go back to Shar for a minute, uh, one of the ways that, you know, young, stop saying young people, the traffickers do business now. A, a part of that for a lot of them is technology where they reach out and they find young people. Um, a part of luring them in um, is financial sometimes because Char is um, 
when she runs away, right? She runs out of money um, and she's able to handle herself for a while. It may not be the way we all think she should, but she's able to handle herself. She's a caretaker. Um, and then after a while, the money dries out. And so some guy offering her um, to take her to lunch or whatever, at one point she's able to say, no, I'm not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't want that. But then as money and resources dry up, it makes them runaways vulnerable to that situation. And, and, and the people that are the predators that do this, they know children. And so they know some of those pressures, right, that they're, that they're against, whether it is pressure at home. They, they can spot them. They groom them. Um, they don't, young people don't end up uh, trafficked by accident, right? Not by accident. And so it's, it's a, you know, billions of dollars are at stake. Um, and so um, the pressure is on and um, we've got to have all sorts of conversations with our kids about the internet in, in general. How you doing? How do you like it? What do you think? Or, you know, and not always from the, is somebody trying to, to, you know, do something to you on it, but just how do you use it and navigate it to questions about, you know, um, you know, trafficking. Sometimes it's hard to ask those questions. That's why. Uh, young adult novels and children novelists take on different sorts of subjects, right? And some of that stuff is about castles and kings and queens. Um, and some of that is about trafficking. Years ago, I did a book called The Broken Bike Boy and the Queen of 33rd Street. And on the surface, it might look about, you know, it was about a girl that um, she was a little pushy. Um, but I would go to schools and I would say, you know, tell me about a castle in your neighborhood. And some of those schools were not in the most wealthy districts. And they were in the districts like where I grew up. And sometimes young people would scratch their head and say, what? And then I'd start talking about my castle, my house, and the king of my house being a puppy and a dog, you know, <laughs> and then they got it. And it was like, well, I have, you know, you know, and so a book that just seems just about something everyday and average for a writer, you might have other intents and they're trying to teach and uplift and, and help young people feel better and understand their power and their possibility. Um, and so the life I'm in, I think I hope people get to see that. I'm also talking about second chances as well as trafficking. I'm talking about a girl that is resilient and against all odds makes it to the other side, right? And um, facing some storms, but together with other women and other men along the way, because if we want young people to get to the other side, we've got to be able to, like you have those ropes, right? With the knots on them. I don't know if those sailor knots that we've got to be able to be that knot that helps them get to the other side. So there's some people in there, young people and adults that help uh, become the knot that helps get Shar to the other side. But Shar also has her own skill set. And I, I, I think that's important because when we have young people, and a lot of times young black urban people, we, have, we, we sometimes feel like, okay, they're empty vessels and we just need to fill them with all this stuff, all of our values and all that, because they don't have any, but she does. Because 
at 16, guess what? I couldn't raise no baby. You know what I mean? And she does that in the book. And, you know, she does some things that are strong and show her, her self-worth and power that even I couldn't do as a teen. So I'm hoping people see the fullness of, of, of Char in the life I'm in um, and also reach back to the skin I'm in and take a read. Well, um, I am in awe of, this, of, of these two books. Um, what you have given to uh, young adults, to teenagers, and you know we call them young adults, but they're teenagers. They're teenagers. And they're, 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 they're children. They are growing, but we have to look at them as children. Um, and these stories, although fiction, especially in today's day and age, uh, I think writing them as fiction is almost uh, easier for them to be able to understand and relate to and, and take away what you're looking for them to take away, um, even if it's just a small piece. So Sharon, in, in your spare time, what do you like to do? In my spare time, I don't know. I like to color, which is why Shara colors. I like to color. I like to read. I like to garden. And I love the movies. And they're all shut down right now. Okay, but there are <laughs> streaming movies. Yes, I love movies. I've been watching a lot of Netflix, but I'd love to be in the theater and watch those movies and play. Well, so hopefully, there. you know, sometime the end of this year, beginning of next year. But in the meantime, we have your books to, to read. Um, and people can find your book on Amazon. They can find my book on Amazon. They can um, find it at Barnes and Nobles and at their indie bookstores. And if they're not physically there, just ask them for it because they can catch up with it. With them. I have like I think this book is my 11th or 12th book, so. Well, Sharon, I thank you so much. Um, this, has been, this has been very, very enlightening and interesting. Um, and you never know. It, it definitely sounds like the makings of a movie or maybe even a you know, special series. And um, I won't ask you about a sequel to it because it almost sounds like well, maybe 20 years from now, you know, sure. No, believe it or not, I, I'm writing, I've got, I signed a contract for a third one. And it's did. from John John's perspective. It's from the boy's perspective because oh. he was another bully to Malika in the first book. So, and it's a different sort of story. So I'm hoping people will, um, you know, stay tuned for that. And they could reach me at uh, flake.sharon at gmail.com if they want to, or go to my website, sharongflake.com if they want to communicate with me or find out where to get the books. Well, Sharon, again, I look forward to the third um, in the series coming out. And thank you again so much. Um, Thanks, and and uh, all the best. This is great. Thank you are great. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Join me next week 
when I talk to another extraordinary, inspiring woman. Today's podcast is sponsored by Upper Deck, the national full-service virtual gym that has reinvented the at-home workout experience. Upper Deck has more than 30 strength and cardio classes a week. Named Best Fitness Club in the Gold Coast for 2020, Upper Deck brings the gym to you with live coaching and motivation. Upper Deck's unique classes are interactive. They have two coaches, one leading your workout and one keeping her eyes on you, providing feedback and encouragement in real time. For a free week of unlimited virtual classes with no strings attached, email info at upperdeckfitness.com and let Upper Deck know you're a Sylvia and me listener. This has been a Life of Prey production.